We're working? All right. So before I get started today, as you can notice, Papa Bear's gone. He's over in Belize, probably sweating like a banshee right now. Um, but keep them in their prayers. He's over there checking out a future missions trip and um, just sharing the word. And So please keep Pastor Jackie and Kathy in your prayers as they're doing some traveling. Um, tonight, um, over at the Light of Hope, we're serving a meal to the homeless. Uh, Don MacArthur usually heads up that ministry, but he's been in the hospital with his son. So if some of you want to come over and join us tonight and help us serve food to the homeless, please find me afterwards. Or you can meet us at the Light of Hope around 4.35 o'clock. So we appreciate uh, some help over there. Also, one last shameless plug for the youth retreat. Um, Give it up for the worship team. They did a great job today. Very good. Half of them have spent more than one trip on the youth retreat. Just putting that out there. Okay? Can change lives. So, this morning we're going to be in Philippians 2. We're going to continue on where Pastor Jackie left off last week. I need to bring up a little story about this Bible real quick. Um, I got this Bible about three years ago, and it looks brand new. There's only one section that's been written in because somebody took it, which that's fine. You know, you need a Bible, take mine. Um, and it's been in limbo for like two and a half years. Well, Kathy went to the thrift store at the senior center about three weeks ago. And she's like, wow, that's a nice Bible. And only for a quarter, I'm going to get it. And she flips it open, and it says Levi Woodhouse right in the middle. <laughs> and so this Bible has some stories, I'm sure. And so she asked the people, what's the story behind this Bible? What, you know, I volunteer at the senior center, so she thought maybe I left it there. And they said, no, some guy brought it in this morning who had found it in the trash and brought it in. So um, pretty crazy that my Bible has gone on a nice little journey. So I just wanted to just share that with you guys this morning, how good God truly is. So if you join me in uh, Philippians 2. We'll start in verse 1 and go through 19, and we'll see how far the Lord takes us this morning. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing for selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. And being formed in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven 
and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling and dispute, that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you uh, shine as lights in this world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, again, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son and just the sacrifice that Jesus did for us, Lord. This morning, I pray that you open our ears and our eyes to see, Lord. I pray that your word will penetrate into our minds and be etched on our hearts, Lord God. May these instructions um, speak to us, Lord. Help us to live the life you uh, are asking us to live, Lord God. I pray that you help me remove myself from this equation, Lord God, and just allow me to be a vessel to your words would be spoken, Lord, and not mine. And I just... uh, Lift this time up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, we all are familiar with Paul, the man that, that wrote this section of scripture. Um, at this time, you know, he's writing to the people of Philippi. Um, Christianity is still in its infancy at this point, right? Early churches are underground hiding because if you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, Roman soldiers will come and chop your head off. You know, there's only one God, and that was Caesar in the mines. And that's the culture that they lived in at this time. But Paul is calling people to come out, join each other, right? Form a group. It's just like um, lights, right? If we darken this sanctuary and give out three lights in each section, it's not going to be very bright. But if we give a bunch of lights to everybody and we form in the middle, that light's going to shine brighter. And that's what Paul's trying to encourage these people, his fellow believers. And so um, he wrote this in a tone which was warm and gentle. Okay, He wasn't yelling at his people to get their act together. He wasn't screaming. He was trying to encourage them. You know, these are believers. These are people like you and me. And we have a heart for God. But sometimes we get off track a little bit. Sometimes we can make improvements. And uh, that's what he's telling his people here. And he's using his appeal to their common experience of Christ. So if you know Paul, you know Jesus, right? Because Paul spent his whole life, well, not his whole life, after he was reborn, he spent his second half of his life praising God and sharing his word, right? If we remember, if we look back, Saul who was also Paul, wanted to destroy the early church, right? He wanted to kill all the Jesus followers. Not until he saw Jesus face to face and became blind did he change his attitude. Did Christ do a work in him? And after that point, his entire life was spent 
loving Jesus, spreading the word. Right? Paul went through a lot of bad things, um, things we can't even conceive. Um, being hit by rocks until you die, that's a bad thing, right? But then to stand back up and walk inside, back to the same synagogue of people that threw rocks at you, that's a marvelous experience, right? That's a huge witness. Well, how did this man do it? Well, Jesus. Okay, well, maybe this Jesus thing is something we need to take notice. Right? They threw him off a cliff. He got up and walked back in. Okay, again, people who knew Paul knew about Jesus. People that knew of Paul knew about Jesus. Just think if that happened here in our community. Right? Somebody jumps off the bridge and gets back up and gets on top and starts talking about Jesus. We're going to take that into account, right? That's going to affect our lives. And that was uh, Paul's desire. So let's look at the verse. Uh, some of you may have therefore to start out this verse. Um, whenever we see a therefore uh, at the start of a chapter, we need to ask ourselves, what's it there for? So we've got to go back to the last idea. And the last idea Paul was having was in chapter 1. Uh, verse 27, it says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. He's talking to his fellow believers. You know, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, the Holy Spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So Paul was all over the place, right? He didn't stay at a place for very long. He'd go here, spread the gospel, start a church, get some people going, and go to the next place. Do the same thing over and over and over and over again. Paul was even shipwrecked three times. Still, nothing was stopping Paul, right? He was on a mission. And so he wanted to be able to go to another town or city and hear that the people back in Philippi or Ephesus um, were still doing the right thing. Right? We're still doing the deeds that they were supposed to be doing. And doing them in one spirit. The Holy Spirit. Right? If the Holy Spirit's moving in your church like it is here, we're on the same accord. Right? We may have small disagreements, but the basics are all the same. Right? Jesus came to die for our sins. Right? God raised him from the dead three days later. You know, Jesus died for us. The major topics we all agree on. But if we look across the country, different things separate us. Paul didn't want all that separation, right? He wanted one church to follow Jesus with one purpose in mind, which was to spread the word. Um, so call, or Paul is calling his fellow believers to unity, right? We all need to come together. There's so much division out there in the world now and even as much back then. Right? You had the Roman Empire who was in charge, and they believed in many gods. You know, There were huge monuments dedicated to the Greek gods in all these cities. A lot of them were wonders of the ancient world. They were so big. You know, the god of Zeus, um, many other gods. And yet, our one god, Jesus, was being worshipped in the shadows of these monuments. But Paul knew what the truth was. Right? Paul spent three years in the desert with Jesus. Um, sometimes we forget that point. You know, Jesus was blinded. His sight was given back to him. He didn't immediately go preach the gospel. 
people would have killed him, right? Would anybody listen to a guy who one day is trying to kill you and the next day is trying to preach with you? No, traitor, right? He's being sneaky. So he went out with Jesus into the wilderness for three years, and Jesus was with him. Um, And so he's trying to tell us, unite in one spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, and one mind, which is the attitude of Christ. So let's just take a step back. Uh, for just a second. What would things look like if we were all united in one spirit and with an attitude of Christ? How would things look like here? You know, If all the churches in the United States would get together, we would see radical transformation, wouldn't we? Instead of fighting about our differences and we just came to one mind, worship Jesus, right? Same spirit, the Holy Spirit guiding all of us, there would be radical transformation in this country. What if we looked at Idaho? Let's get a little bit smaller, something we can kind of grasp. If we could have all the believers come together for the same cause, what would Idaho look like? What would our laws look like? How would people treat each other? You know? Let's even think smaller, Magic Valley. Okay, there's, I don't know, would you say there's probably hundreds of churches in the Magic Valley. What if we put all our differences aside and came together for one purpose? And with one mind, the attitude of Jesus. And even smaller, let's take a look at our church. Okay, what if we all came together? You know, I know we're called to love each other, but sometimes we don't even know our own neighbor that's sitting next to us or the person on the other side of the room. With a small group, we're able to do great things in our community, right? Just with our church, our church alone. Um, We look at an event like the National Day of Prayer. A small group of us went and did a huge event for the whole community. A small group of us went to Mexico and changed the life of hundreds. In a month and a half, a a group of people will get together and will impact the lives of hundreds of kids, you know, through VBS. Tonight, a group of us will make make some food and feed the homeless. You know, these are just small groups of our church body. Just imagine what we could do if we all got together with one mind and one spirit, the effect that we would have in the community. You know, what could we accomplish if our entire church body was doing what Paul was asking here in the, you know, in Philippi? As we move forward, um, remember, this is gentle and warm. This isn't to point fingers. This isn't to accuse. This isn't to judge. This is just to help fellow believers get together, right? Share the same spirit. Not argue over little things, right? But share the same spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's moving in me and you and you and you. Should we have big disagreements? No. We should love each other, right? Because God loves you. God loves me. Holy Spirit's in you. Holy Spirit's in me. We should be able to come together, right? And do things for Jesus. And that's what Paul's calling us to do. So is there any encouragement in Christ? Let's go back to Philippians 2, chapter 1. Is there any encouragement in Christ? So as you look at it in the Greek, that's what it's asking. It's asking a question. Is there any encouragement in Christ? 
Yes, absolutely there's encouragement in Christ. Right? What is there? Well, let's look at Isaiah 40:31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Very familiar passage, right? That's the encouragement we can find in the Lord. We can do things we don't want to do because we have the Holy Spirit and we're in one mindset. You know, we can do things when we're tired because we do have the Holy Spirit. We do have the same attitude as Christ. And that's what we're looking for. And that's what Paul keeps trying to get the point across to these people in, you know, the, uh, in Philippi. He's trying to tell these people, stay together. You have the Holy Spirit. That's all you need. Who cares about these huge monuments over here or over here? That's all fake. You know, you know the truth. The truth is Jesus. Stay with him. Stick with him. And if you look now, what happened to the Roman Empire? Gone, right? It's not the most powerful nation. Hasn't been for a long time. What about Jesus? Jesus is all over the world. Right? What kind of encouragement can we find in Christ? We can find love. Right? We find hope, joy, peace, comfort, healing, fellowship, just to name a few. Right? There are many true and lasting... Excuse me. Is there any true and lasting encouragements outside of Christ? Think about the things that encourage you. Okay, yeah, um, we win a baseball game. Woohoo, that's encouraging. But the next day, guess what? We're right back at it trying to win another one. This year, most of the time, we're losing. So we're trying harder. Um, so, um, so is there any true and lasting encouragements outside of Christ? I don't know if there is. You know, there's nothing that's lasting. Um, so then could it be said that encouragement is Christ? Whenever we feel encouragement, isn't that the Holy Spirit working in us? When we're feeling loved, isn't that the Holy Spirit? So just imagine those neighbors of ours that don't have Jesus. Where do they get their encouragement? Where do they get their joy? Where do they get their love? They find it in the world, right? And the world's empty. I remember before I knew Jesus, I was searching for something to fill the emptiness in me. You know, there's always that hole. Okay, well, maybe if I have more money, I can buy more stuff that will make me happy. That stuff gets old, and then you want more stuff, right? And then you want bigger stuff. Then you need bigger garages and bigger storage, and then you just have a mess. And that emptiness is still not filled. What about this? What about that? You know, there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's... Women, there's power, there's all these things we try to find joy in and try to find happiness in, try to be encouraged in, but it's only from Christ that we find that encouragement. What about comfort? Any comfort from his love? Of course there is. You know, just like the song they sing up here today, you know, being embraced in the Father's love. There's nothing better than that. Knowing that the creator of this universe created you for a specific purpose and loves you just the way you are. Even though we're all dirty sinners, right? God loves us just the way we are. And that should be comfort enough. 
How does one measure his love? Um, his love is beyond measure, right? We can't describe it. Our brains can't comprehend it. Um, and each person has a different definition of love or a different feeling of love or a different idea of love. Before I got married, the thing I loved the most was my dog, right? That was my definition of love is Thor. Uh, that's my dog. I loved him. I still love him. Then I got married. My definition of love became larger and deeper, right? Yeah, I still love my dog, but the love I have for my wife is even more, you know? So what about Jesus' love for us? Well, it's deeper than that, right? Deeper than our love for children, our love for anything. And can we measure it? I don't know we can. I don't think we'll truly understand the love he has for us until we get to heaven. But there's comfort in that love, right? No matter what we do, no matter how bad we are, Jesus loves us. Even those people that put him up on the cross, the people that whipped him, the people that pulled his beard off his face, still had love for those people. So what type of love does he have from us? But we have to accept that love, right? We can't turn our back on it. We have to realize that the creator of this universe loves us so much, right, that he gave, our, he gave his son to die for our sins. That's a huge sacrifice. I don't know if I could give up my dog for somebody else's sin. I want to say I would, but I don't know if I could. But what did God do? He gave his perfect son to die for mine. You know, that's true love. Some people don't know what love is, right? I teach youth on Wednesday night and trying to explain love to a teenager that has alcoholic and druggy parents is very difficult. They have no idea what love is. Love is yelling, beating, abusive hatred. You know, that's their definition of love. So you can't explain love to them without Jesus. The sacrifice that Jesus did for us, lived the perfect life, died a miserable, horrible death on the cross. That's love, and that's how I try to explain it to them. Um, without Jesus, you can't explain true love. Is there a more comfortable place than knowing you're in the hands of a loving God? I don't think so. You know, and Paul's trying to tell these people, look, things might get tough, things might get bad, you might even lose your head, right? Like they were doing. But know that Jesus loves you. He has a place for you in heaven. Dying for the Lord is the greatest death we could have, right? Um, so when you're feeling stressed out or at the end of your rope, sick and tired of being sick and tired, remember that the creator of the universe loves you and has a great plan for you. That's why he's trying to tell the Philippians, telling us still to this day, you know, there is comfort in the love of Jesus. When things are bad, there's comfort in the love of Jesus. When things are good, there's comfort in the love of Jesus. And one of the greatest things that I've experienced is that it doesn't run out or it doesn't go away. You know, before I knew Jesus, I was in the army and I drank a lot. That's where I found my comfort. You know what? The bottle runs out eventually. You know, 
Eventually, you get sick and you can't drink anymore. With Jesus, it's never-ending supply of love. And it's so much stronger than any other addiction or comfort that you may find. Uh, Let's continue on. So is there any encouragement in Jesus? Yes, absolutely. We talked about that. Any comfort from his love? Absolutely. Right? There is no better comfort. There is no stronger love. What about participating in the Spirit? Fellowship with the Spirit. Uh, The Greek word for fellowship here is koinonia. We're familiar with that term, right? So we have koinonias once in a while. You guys knew Greek and you didn't even know it, right? Congratulations. Um, So here, are we talking, we are talking about the, the Holy Spirit, fellowship with the Spirit, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So the question here is, is this fellowship brought by the Spirit or fellowship in the Spirit? And that's a lot of questions Bible scholars have. They, some say this, some say that. Well, me, I'm not a scholar, so I can take the easy route and say they're both right. Okay, And so I think it's both. The gift of the Holy Spirit and the believer's consciousness expressed of his indwelling and activity are the starting point. So the beginning of it is the Holy Spirit. We recognize the Holy Spirit is in us and moving. But Paul takes it as a commonly accepted truth, what can be verified by his personal experiences. Right? We know the Holy Spirit was in Paul or else he couldn't do the things that he did. Um, that the believers knew this fellowship or koinonia with the Holy Spirit because of Paul and his gracious ministry to their hearts and their lives. You know, Paul led a hard life. Do you think some days he woke up and said, you know what, I'm, I'm not going today. I'm going to take today off. No, you know, maybe that's what his flesh was saying, but his spirit, as he walked in the spirit, was telling him, no, keep on going. There's more people we need to reach, right? I need to go check on Timothy. I got to make sure he's doing the right thing. I need to go back to Colossus and make sure those guys are running the church the right way. I don't think, I think in the flesh, yeah, he wished he could take a vacation, but he didn't. He kept on going. So could Paul have done what he did outside of the Holy Spirit? You know, we've heard all the things he's done. I don't think a a normal guy that didn't know Jesus could do those things. Once he died, he'd be dead. There's no bringing him back. If you don't know Jesus, is he going to heal you? I don't know. I don't think so. If you don't accept him, is he going to save you from being shipwrecked? I don't know. Their common sharing in the Spirit ought to be a decisive factor in their corporate church life as one body in Christ. So as Paul's talking to his people in um, Philippi, He's sharing his life, right? He's telling them about the Holy Spirit, what the Lord has done in him. People are witnessing this, right? There's eyewitness accounts. People know this to be true. And that's how they built the church, you know, built it on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves, same Holy Spirit that moved in Paul moves in us today. You know, if we look at Romans twelve five, it says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So look around. 
know, we're one body in Christ. One body in Christ. We are individual, right? But we are one team, one family. We should be of one mind, right? The Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12.13 says, For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greek, slaves or free, and we all were made to drink of one spirit. So sometimes there's divisions in church, and I'm just going to make one up here because I don't know of any in our church because we're pretty much of one mind and one body, and I love you guys, and I don't want to hear bad stuff tomorrow. So... um, so if we were divided here, let's say Castle Ford sat over here, Buell sat here, Twin and everybody else sat over here, that would be a division, right? Same thing back in Paul's time. There was division, you know, rich, poor, slave, free. He says it doesn't matter. Everybody get together. You know, Jesus doesn't choose just the people with the last name A through S, Right? Jesus chooses everybody. Doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter if you wear glasses, if you're bald. Jesus loves you all, right? Loves me. So he's trying to bring everybody together. Doesn't matter. Because in that culture, right, the Jewish people, you had to be of this class in order to be a religious leader. To really know God, you have to be this type of person, you have to be a Pharisee, you gotta study this, you gotta dress like this, you gotta do these things. Jesus blew all that away, right? You don't need all that. All you need is Jesus in your heart. So he's telling everybody, you got to come together. Come together as one church body with one purpose, one mind, one spirit. Um, so I coach high school baseball. In the spring, I coach at Buell High School. And in the summer, I coach an older boys team, the ages from 16 to 19, and they're players from both Filer and Buell. So all school year long, we compete against Filer. Filer competes against us. Big rivalry because we're like five miles away, know each other. doesn't matter how good whichever team is. It's always down to the last minute between the two. So you end up kind of hating each other, right? There's, there's a natural rivalry. So summertime comes, and i got to put these two towns together. And... It's difficult, right? Because these kids don't like this kid. This kid looked at him funny. This kid hit a home run off that. It's just ridiculous, right? And so um, I got to sit them down and say, look, we have one goal, one purpose, right? That's to win baseball games. It's kind of the same thing that Paul's telling his people here. We got one purpose, one cause. That's to win souls, right? I don't care if you're the boss of this guy. This guy doesn't like this guy. We all got to come together. One love, one purpose. That's what Paul's talking about. Come together for a common purpose, which is share Jesus with the world. Make disciples. If we only got one person over here trying to do that, one person over here trying to do that, one person over there trying to do that, not going to be very effective. But if we come together and start doing that, there's power in numbers. Right. So is there tenderness and compassion? Tenderness, definition, the state of being tender or easily broken. Compassion is translated from the word okrimori, which 
um, signifies the outward expression of deep feeling and passion, yearning, and action. So I really had to look that one up because I don't know if other men are like me. We're not a whole lot of compassion and tenderness comes from us. Look at one of the older ladies in church. You see tons of passion, tons of tenderness, right? Um, But yeah, compassion is an outward expression of deep feeling and passionate yearning and action. So is there Jesus in compassion? Absolutely. You know, again, without Jesus, we can't have compassion. Um, Being full accord and of one mind. So again, Paul's telling these people, okay, look, put all your differences aside. Love one another. Let's come together as one body. If not, it's not going to work. Okay? Jesus came for nothing, but Jesus came for all of us. So we need to get together and we need to uh, spread the word. So we can continue on. Um, Verse 2, it says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind. Complete Paul's joy. What was Paul's joy? What made Paul truly happy? Did he like baseball? No, that wasn't his happiness. What about fishing? Nope. The only thing I can find is Jesus made Paul happy. Spreading the love, sharing the word is what made Paul happy and what he lived for. Hopefully, you know, um, some of us can have that label next to us, too. I mean, I would love to be known for a guy that shared the word. You know, a guy that loved Jesus with all his heart. Willing to die just so people could be saved. Um, so, he's telling, telling his people, telling uh, the followers of Jesus, complete my joy. Make me truly happy. Okay, come together as one unit. What is Paul talking about? You know, what is God's will for Paul? Did God want Paul to get beat and hurt and tore up? No. He wanted Paul to share the word, right? God's mission was to share the word to the Gentile and the Greek and everybody that would listen. And that's what he did, you know? Um, What about you? If you guys look in the mirror, as I looked in the mirror over this last week, what does complete your joy? What does completing your joy look like? Is it similar to Paul's, or is it nowhere near? Um, and again, this isn't a warm, gentle expression. Okay, Again, we're not pointing fingers, we're not looking down at each other. Paul's just trying to get people to understand where... Their priorities are. Okay? What does complete your joy? If it's not Jesus, then maybe we need to change. Okay? Maybe we need to put the silliness of the world to the side and move Jesus to the forefront. Can one man change the minds of everyone? With Jesus and the Holy Spirit, yes. Okay? But it is a lot easier if you have a group of like-minded individuals forming groups to also spread the same message across the world, right? So, yeah, Jesus used Paul to spread the word. But what happens when Paul leaves? You know, there's more people 
that need to continue that movement, continue that action, continue to spread the word. And he's telling them, get together, get together, get together. Form churches. Get bigger, right? Get together. Share the same purpose. Go spread the word, spread the word. Because of his due diligence, you know, we have the word here in America. We have it in English. And we now have that same duty to spread the word with others. Come together as a church and spread the love. Okay? Some may do it via VBS. Some may do it via National Day of Prayer. Some may do it by cleaning up the church. You know, that's a huge ministry. Um, One that I proudly support and would like to see more do. (laughs) Um, So, what makes Paul happy? Make him truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Now, that's what he wants people to do. That's what would make him perfect, uh, happy. His joy was that his life work would amount to something in God's economy and in the lives of other people. This personal appeal was a way of encouraging them outward for the glory of God. You know, so he's trying to encourage these people. Remember, he's in jail while he's writing this letter. So he's not able to go to all these places. So he's sending letters out, sending this one out to the Philippians, saying, hey, love one another, get together, same mind, same attitude of Christ, be in the Spirit. By being of the same mind means agreeing wholeheartedly. Okay, Being of the same mind kind of sounds like being brainwashed or or robotic, right? So... We say being of the same mind. Okay, after church, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to run over to Juanita's, and we're going to eat. So if the church was of that same mindset, it would be a disaster, wouldn't it? Especially if we're looking out for one another, you know, being good Christians. Oh, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. 200 people standing in line trying to figure out who goes first, right? That's kind of brainwashy, but that's not what... Paul is trying to express here. Um, He called him to be like-minded. The verb used here occurs 10 times in in Philippians, 23 times in the Pauline letters. It speaks to the intellect of the person. You know, it's talking about the way they think. You know, Jesus first, not others first. So it's not talking about everybody has the same mind, like robots, it's saying everybody has, they think the same way. You know, love one another. Jesus first. But it goes beyond that. It incorporates the will and emotions into an outlook which affects the attitude. If we all think the same, shouldn't our attitudes be the same? If we all love Jesus, love each other, shouldn't our attitudes reflect that? I know sometimes we have a hard time um, reflecting those ideas. Sometimes we get road rage. Okay, I don't know if Jesus would have ever experienced road rage. I think he would probably say, relax. Okay, Don't take it so serious. But us as Christians, how do we handle road rage? Honk the horn? Do some sign language, kind of? Um, 
<laughs> so that is the like-mindedness. That is the attitude that Paul's trying to get across to his people is, what is, which, what is your attitude? You know, that's why it's the attitude of Christ. That's the like-mindedness that he wants. Paul speaks of the values and the ambitions which surface through the mind. This is unity, right? When everybody has the same values, has the same ambitions, want to do the same things, want to love each other, that is unity. And it's not found in an identical lifestyle or personality. We all can't be like Pastor Jackie. We all can't be like the elders. We have our own personalities, right? God made us different for a reason. And it's through our values and in our ambitions. And it occurs when Christian people have the same values and the same love. That's what Paul sought in his church. right? That's what he's trying to relay to his people. Okay, Have the same values. Love each other. Love Jesus first. Take care of each other. Okay? Moving to chapter or verse 3. It says, Do nothing from self-ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. So, this one spoke pretty heavy to me, um, especially this past week. When pastor leaves, that means other people have to, you know, do his job. It's not easy. Um, there's phone calls you got to take. There's people you got to go see. You got to study a little bit more. And there's really not a lot of time for little things, you know. And so, um, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So, be honest real quick. I walk in here Thursday morning, and I look into the sanctuary, and I look back real quick. Because I don't like what I see. It's Thursday, last day of my work week. So I peek in here, and there's no chairs. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. i got stuff to do, right? I don't have time to put chairs down. I'm, I'm supposed to be preparing for a lesson, you know? I don't have time for this. Well, that's what God's talking about right here. This is the message he's relaying to Paul is, look, buddy, you got all the time you need, okay? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. So, for a second there, I was thinking, oh, I'm too good to put up these chairs. But I'm not. Really, not at all. Um, and so, I started, um, and I was a little irritated, right? But what's the scripture say? Look not only to his own interest, right? I had other interests in mind. I didn't wake up that morning thinking, yes, I get to spend all morning putting chairs away. I love doing that. I love straightening these chairs to be perfect. Um, but the Lord had a plan, right? So as I'm moping around a little bit, kind of going slow, putting these chairs down, I start thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I here? Why am I in the church? I'm doing it because I love Jesus. So if I love Jesus, why am I complaining about this little task? You know. So then I start to smile. I'm like, hey, this, this isn't too bad. You know, so turned on some worship music, turned it up loud, and we put the chairs away. Right? It's just a small lesson in, you know, you're not better than you think you are. You know, be the servant. That's what Jesus did, right? Jesus was God, but he lowered himself 
to be born human. How many times do you think he thought, man, I just want to disappear that guy right over there. You know, I just want to fling him and put him somewhere else. You know, what would you do if you were God? You know, would you elevate yourself or would you be lowest man on a totem pole? It's hard, right? We struggle putting others above ourselves at times. We struggle looking out for our own interest. But that's what Jesus calls us to do, right? He was the example of that. Another time, last Sunday, um, well, as actually Monday morning, walking to the church and there's just donuts and stuff everywhere. It looked like Thor and Captain America had a donut food fight. And there's just trash and everything, and it's like, okay, Lord, we got our work cut out for us today, right? But then, you know, start working, start smiling again. Hey, this is an okay problem to have. You know, at least we have people coming in and out of our church. You know, at least we have energetic people that are able to destroy donuts in a weird fashion, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just all about joy, right? One mind coming together. Um, that being said, that does not give anybody a license to destroy our church, okay? Don't stack the chairs and think, ha-ha, Levi's going to have a good day putting those back, okay? <laughs> Let's just try to leave things as they are. Um, but uh, it is a joyous job to be here, to work here, to follow Jesus and try to emulate the things that Paul's trying to say here. Um, is it easy? No, absolutely not. We have to get out of our own ways, right? Jesus talks about um, laying down our lives, picking up the cross, and follow him, right? We've got to die to ourselves every day and live for the Lord. You know, I want my thoughts to be when I wake up in the morning, yes, I get to serve Jesus, you know, every morning. Some mornings I wake up and it's like, oh, it's Monday, i got to go to work. You know, switch your mindset around. Just like Pastor Jackie's been teaching the last few weeks, you know, if you switch your thinking around, your heart will follow. And that's what Paul was getting at, trying to tell his people, look, guys, switch your thinking around, okay? Get everything from Jesus. Jesus provides everything you need. He is love. He is comfort. Right? But we got to lay ourselves to the side. we got to put others first. There's an acronym I like to use with the youth, and it's JOY. And it's Jesus other than yourself. And when you do that, you'll find true joy. So I'll leave you guys with that today. Um, thank you for nobody leaving. I appreciate that. It's good for the confidence. Um, so join me in prayer. Um, just a reminder, uh, there will be... Uh, prayer counselors around the room as they do the last worship song. I know we all need prayer. I know sometimes it's difficult to come up. Um, But if you need prayer, raise your hand. Somebody can come around. Um, If there's not enough people, your neighbor will pray with you. I'll pray for you. Um, So please, if you need prayer, come up. If you need some anointing, we got some oil around here. So please, let's be of one mind, okay? One spirit, the Holy Spirit. Pray for each other, love each other. Thank you.
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity uh, that you blessed me with to stand up here today, Lord God. And hopefully I didn't make a fool of myself or anyone else, Lord. I just uh, thank you so much for your word and the encouragement that you give us, Lord. I pray that you give us the ability to recognize the love that you have for us, Lord. Help us to recognize the comfort that we have in you, Lord God, and help us to just appreciate the encouragement that you give us each and every day, Lord. And I just pray that you give us the ability to put you first in our everyday life, Lord God. And when we find it being hard, Lord, I just pray that you help us to just take a closer look in the mirror and to rid ourselves of our selfish pride and our selfish ambitions and just look to you. Lord, I just pray you continue to lead and guide us. Bless us here today, Lord God. Be with those um, that are hurting, that need healing, Lord God. Just be with uh, Pastor Jackie and Kathy as they're away. And I just pray, Lord, for a fruitful week. Lord, let our attitudes change. Give us an attitude like Christ, Lord God. Just help us to love on others. Help us to become one body in Christ here at Calvary Chapel Buell, Lord, and just allow us to change this world. Lord, so I thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name.